Hello and welcome back to the Tapping Up podcast with Ian and Daryl. But more importantly, welcome to Double Tap. These are our bonus episodes where we address any major goings on that simply can't wait until the main podcast. And to be honest, I don't think we could have timed the start of this any better, Ian, as we've just found out that Connor Ben has seemingly absolutely obliterated our weekend plans. So for casual fans listening, um, I won't really that bothered about this fight. Don't really I'm think it's that big a deal. If I'm honest, it's two two warriors' sons, not two warriors themselves. But um, the breaking news that broke about lunchtime uh, is that uh, Ben has pissed hot and uh, failed a drugs test. Um, I know you were planning your weekend around this event, having the boys over for a I few was. beers. Um, thoughts? I'm. I'm- Fucking livid. Um, it's only <laughs> this and Jack Harrison seems to have incensed me. There's nothing else that really has got to me. But yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely good. Um, I was backing Conor Ben for the knockout, as you well know. Um, four to one odds on that. So it seems. I mean, if it goes ahead, I'm definitely backing him, considering he's probably rotted up to his tits. But um, yeah, it's, it's all come about at a really odd time. You've been saying all week. I think yesterday, in fact, you said, do you want to have a bet on when this gets called off and what day this gets called off? I think you were thinking you, Matt Junior, were going to pull out. Um, Didn't want to be smug as fuck, but I, I don't think, to be fair, I've been calling myself today, haven't I? The Mystic Abe. But um, I said to you last week, don't think I said it on the podcast, to be honest, when we were just talking. I just had a feeling that this was going to fall through. It, it, I, my overwhelming feeling was a lot of the comments coming out seemed to be that Eubank was going to really struggle the weight. He's obviously the bigger man. He's having a big weight cut. There's been pictures of him meeting KFC about a week ago. That was my overwhelming feeling. But I just had this feeling that for some reason this wouldn't happen. Uh, and then strangely, we were in the car together, weren't we, driving uh, today? And then suddenly this broke. Um, and... Um, my initial view was all of the noise coming out was it's going to go ahead. Eubank, fair play to him, sounds like he's been a man and said, look, don't care if he's if he's pissed hot, I'll fight anyway. I am certainly no uh, boxing regulation expert, but my understanding generally with fighting is if you test for a banned substance that's on the banned uh, VADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Association list, the fight can't carry on. Um, we've done a little bit of research, haven't we, into this in terms of uh, what he has popped for, which everybody knows, uh, our regular listeners, about my fantastic pronunciation. Is it clomiphene? We'll go with that. Clomiphene, and I checked, it is on VADA's list, and UK Boxing Association is governed by that. So if he has pissed hot for this, the fight's done. I mean, for me... It... Again, I'm trying to bear my thoughts on this because I'm absolutely fucking livid about it. But um, it's the the British Boxing Board of Control that have come out and said that the fight itself is prohibited from going ahead. Doesn't necessarily mean that the fight's off because there's a, there's other ways that you can go around. Obviously, at the moment, Eddie Hearn is apparently in touch with specific lawyers to discuss this a little bit further and is wanting to talk with whoever he needs to talk to to try and make sure this fight's on and that obviously he gets his money considering the amount of money that they've spent on the advertising and everything else that's come up but there are ways definitely other ways around it I know that there were a fight between David Hay and Chisora um, oh god 10 years ago and neither of them had a license at the time and it ended up going ahead because they got the uh, the LBF involved so the, the Luxembourg Boxing Federation um, and they were the ones who sanctioned the fight so there are ways around this 
but I don't know. I just can't tell whether this is going to go ahead or not. I think this close to the fight, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just livid. I I'm not sure. I think you're right. There's definitely where it would be unsanctioned by the British Boxing Association, which I think if it's in their territory, namely it's going to be in England, which it was. Uh, I'm not sure how they get around that. I do think, I can't remember where Chisora and Hay fought. I'm not sure it was England, was it? But again, maybe if you had an advance warning, you could get another sanctioning body involved. You know, on this kind of notice, that's, I'm not so sure. Uh, only one I see winning out of that in terms of making a shitload of money is Eddie Hearn's lawyers. Because I think they'll charge, I mean, what we, again, a lot of this is probably Huster and Bluster, but he came out earlier and said, I've got lawyers on it. He was considering an injunction. What a load of nonsense. That that, that seems ridiculous. Um, you made a really interesting point just before we came on air, which was, what if we're just all mugs here and this is just a fucking elaborate ruse that to pump up the fight, that this is just maybe the pay-per-views aren't going that well and we're all being suckered in because this now seems to be the way that people do things. Boxing is a bit of a, you, you coin in your exact words, a circus with your Jake Pauls and people like that. I hadn't even considered that. And it's, it's a really valid point. And it, the... it would be quite an elaborate ruse, to be fair. I mean, it, to go to this extent and get all this publicity is a good thing, obviously, for the fight. But it's a lot to go through at this point in time. And obviously, the, the opposite side of that is exactly as we discussed. Is that really going to garner that many new fans who weren't going to look at this before? to then, all right, I'm going to pay for this pay-per-view immediately now because I want to see a cheat get beaten and all this nonsense. And there are ways around it. And just going back to what you said about where the, the fight for, for Hay and Chisora were, I'm um, just had a quick check here. So it's Rupton Park. Right, so it's okay. war in the UK, so there are so ways the, definitely around it. And again, you chuck, not being fact, the Luxembourg Boxing Association. There's going to be some shitty country's boxing association that you chuck and I mean, boxing is notoriously bent. You know, after horse racing, it's probably the most corrupt sport so I have little doubt that if Eddie Hearn makes a few phone calls, some association somewhere would, would sanction it if they need to be. But you've really got me thinking that, are we just being played for absolute mugs here? Um, I've tried to, since you've, you've said that to me just before we came on air, I've been trying to look at my calm, pragmatic side. And that says to me, what the fight is like? We just heard a quick interview, very briefly, literally just before we came on air with Eubank. He sounded completely normal. And that's playing into my mindset now of if him and Ben, they both came out for their media days, seemed relatively unruffled and unbothered by this. Is this just a fantastic ruse by him? But the point I just made to you on the ruse point is does, maybe I'm being too looking at it from my own view here, would all of this change my mind? I won't really bothered about this fight anyway. Would all this, the drug cheat, it on, it's off, it's on, it's off, make me buy it? Not a fucking chance. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I can't. I can see it both ways, and obviously, it's basically based on a comment made. Um, there's a lot of comments being made at the moment, but a comment made about um, one of the um, commentators, so to speak, so someone who pretends they know a lot, a little bit like us, <laughs> pretends they know a lot, but they don't know that much, and then get publicity off of talking about it. But his whole point was, oh well, it's a fantastic. Um, bit of publicity for everyone involved. Wasserman coming out, and obviously Eubank Jr. giving it the beginning about being sixty percent baby. Came out wearing a T-shirt today in that interview um, that he's just done, saying 
that you were only 60%. So they're pushing all these sort of things. And it seems strange, especially considering that apparently this failed test, and obviously it's only the A side, so we don't know what the B side is at the moment, but the A side of this failed test was apparently a number of weeks old. Um, the one uh, commentator said that it was back in August that this was first done, which makes very little sense as to why the B side hasn't been done yet. But um, it would have been done. Yeah, you would have that, thought so. Um, and, and, and that uh, again, I do not profess to be uh, a um, a master with regards to steroids. But one thing I have le- listened and find quite intriguing, mainly to do with the UFC, not so much boxing, is how people get away with using performance enhancing supplements and what the general norm certainly now with with vada and things like that is back in the old days of the wild wild west i don't think you could just go and juiced up to the gills just before the fight no moron is taking steroids just before a fight because you're gonna pop off you're gonna piss hot you're gonna fail the tests so that the general science behind it is uh, for steroids and other performance enhancing drugs, you take them in cycles. So you cycle on, you cycle off, and they would have done a cycle. Uh, I believe again that the best way to flush it out is water, which again use they use do it, uh, a lot of water flushing for weight cuts. So I would guess if the the fact that if it was supposed to be August would make perfect timing in the generalized use of steroids because you would cycle on, use them, and then you'd be cycling off a couple of months before the fight. So that that makes a lot of sense, but that raises two completely valid points straight away for me. If he did uh, test positive in August, they would have the, the the immediate thing when you test positive is they do your B sample. You always give two samples. The, the, right? Is that compromised? So the B sample would have already been done, and there is no way that they're now finding out two days before the fight if that test was positive. So there is definitely some some conspiracies you could make in amongst all of this with, with with the timing of it in particular. And again, the more we even talk about it now, the more you're making me think that they're fucking pulling a fast one here. I'm a bit concerned how um, knowledgeable you are about steroids, to be honest. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, I, Is that a needle you've got just next I to you? I wouldn't there? even... Ju- I'd love to do steroids. <laughs> I'd love to do I'd love to do a cycle on and then a cycle off and see if I felt any better. But um, never done them. But um, I, I have... I do have... A fairly in-depth knowledge and in particular there was one I, again I won't be able to uh, fact check him for his name a chap on the Joe Rogan podcast and he broke down in particular John Jones's uh, issues with performance enhancing drugs in amazing detail and it was like three hours just purely talking about steroids how you pop how how you test how you avoid them how the testing works it was fascinating so I'd recommend anyone could probably do a quick google and find that and but yeah I, I am strangely listen to quite a lot of hours of people talking about steroids. I mean, the weirdest thing for me, if if this isn't... Oh, if this isn't a ruse, Wasserman have come out, and obviously they're the promoters on Eubank's side, and they've come out and said, yeah, we're expecting it to go ahead, and we're absolutely fine with it. Both uh, fighters have taken medical and legal advice, and it's going to go ahead regardless. So why would they come out if that's not the case? The timing... The, the, the only one for me... Again, playing some of all these, trying to play, you know, put pieces together of the big jigsaw is um, if it helps anyone, it helps Eubank, who already with this 60% malarkey, there's an inbuilt excuse. I was only training at 60%. Oh, he was on steroids when he beat me. So straight away, if anyone benefits potentially if the fight goes ahead, 
it's Eubank. And in fact, there's no real plus side of this coming out for Ben because if he wins, everybody's like, well, no wonder you won because you were fucking juicing. So, again, if you look at it cynically, could that be leaked on the Eubank side to help give him an excuse? And again, a, a completely terrific point that I hadn't thought of that you made is, did Eubank Senior know about this? Only, was it a couple of weeks ago, maybe, he was coming out and giving it the big one about, and we did talk about this on the podcast, wanting to pull his uh, son from the fight, and he'd lost one son, he didn't want to lose another one. He's got no legal ability as a guy's dad to pull him out of a fight. But if that some of those comments now, look through that lens, would make sense if he knew Ben was juicing. Yeah. But I, I said to you, the only counterpoint to that... Ben is the smaller man. He's making the way up. If he was the bigger man juicing, well, then there's there's a danger point. Now, you could argue, argue and if he has been using performance-enhancing drugs, is he trying to do that to balance the scales a little bit to make up for that weight gain? Which, again, I would never advocate or say it's fair. Side note, we said if you test positive for performance-enhancing drugs, one strike, ban for life. I 100% believe in that. I think that that's the only way you could eradicate cheating from uh, at this top level. But... Um, it was a really good point by you that it did did some of that make uh, Eubank Senior's comments make a bit more sense, given the backdrop of maybe this being the case. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, it sums up boxing in recent times, isn't it? Really, I mean, remember when uh, Mike Tyson sold a fight with Lewis by turning around and saying that he were going to eat his children, and now, funnily enough, Conor Bren uh, appears to be trying to get pregnant. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm just pissed off with it all to be honest it's just boxing summed up to a t for me and i'm really looking forward to me weekend of watching this but the, the the real winners on this i would say is i don't even know if this is is this the, the official term the twitterati all these motherfuckers on social media the memes i mean you've shown me a couple that have come through of uh ben being pregnant because uh this is apparently also another use of the clomiphene is a uh, fertility drug for women um, you know, there's he's he showed me one of him playing his PlayStation, a game called Juiced. So there's going to be, I would have thought, the people that make memes and want to talk nonsense and shit are probably having an absolute field day today on Twitter. But um, and if the fight we'll, does go ahead, obviously they'll be up for the uh, IVF World Championship. Um, probably only not even that much worse off than the genuine IBF belt in terms of <laughs> how legitimate that belt and prestige should be but um, well what we'll do is maybe we'll, 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 we'll bring this little segment here to an end uh, uh, today but what we will do we're planning on doing our usual uh, Friday slot of tapping up and uh, we'll uh, update you then hopefully yeah, fingers crossed we'll, the fight we'll, still goes ahead and it's become a bit clearer I hope so because otherwise my weekend's ruined um, not that I've mentioned it 17 times in this bonus podcast at all, but yeah. Um, are we changing roles here? Are you becoming the miserable bastard? Uh, on the, I am. Are, are, are we flipping on, da- on double yeah. tap? Are you going to be the miserable bastard and I'll be the, the cheerful and upbeat person? I'll have to drink me a brew dog on my own, be a, a proper hipster with nothing to watch, so that'll be fun. Um, a few other things then. So we've uh, obviously had half the round of um, the Champions League. So we've had a few games last night. We've got a few games tomorrow. Or tonight, actually. Uh, that's how quickly this week's going. But, um, yeah, we watched the Liverpool Rangers. It's just a waste of time, to be honest. I want my me, me life back. It's just Rangers doing a complete disservice to Scottish football. Not that anyone expects Scottish football to do well in uh, the European competitions. But, yeah, it was just boring. It was just all Liverpool. 
They probably should have scored. It wasn't quite boring, was it? I it was boring. It, I, I, You're very biased on this. I'm so. very biased. It was an enjoyable match for me to watch because we battered them and we're never really in any danger. Nice to see, given I slag Trent off every single week on this. Um, I can't actually come out and say he was outstanding. He scored a sweet free kick. He had to do jack shit defending all game. So he didn't in any way Standard. for me have to silence the critics in that respect and one sweet free kick doesn't which we all know he can do anyway and I've never suggested he wasn't any good in fact I think my own quote was which you've fantastically put together in the trailer is is he the best English attacking fullback yes and that's never been in question but he got completely untested uh, yesterday but and in fact McGregor saved him from a hiding you know Nunes should have had a hat trick probably um, and I thought Rangers got away pretty lightly with 2-0 Good player, McGregor. I think, um, weirdly, was he 40 now? Seems to be a penalty saving king. And yeah, yet, it's a fantastic age. <laughs> old. Um, yeah, he, he did have a good game, but he, he tends to do that in these bigger games for Rangers. I don't think I've seen him. one outstanding save. I, I'll take my hat off to him. Personally, I thought, particularly in Nunes, was it was poor finishing. Yeah. Again, I, I think he, he was made to look quite good by some relatively mediocre finishing. Um, as you say... I really Liverpool fans not get carried away with that. That, that. We needed to right the ship a bit. We needed a bit of confidence. We've got Rangers next week, which is really good. Um, and actually moving on to the game in the other group, you see Ajax got absolutely hammered. Went 1-0 up, lost 6-1. Yeah. First time in Champions League history, an away team has scored five times in the first half. Uh, Napoli are looking a decent team. I mean, they've all but qualified at this point, haven't they? Um, uh, pretty much. I mean, they've got Ajax three. at home next week. A win will definitely put them up. I think they're sitting at top of Serie A, aren't they? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So they are looking in pretty good nick. They have got, uh, again, I can Raspadoli, is it? The Italian striker, youngster who's banging the goals in. And the one that I don't think we've ever mentioned on the podcast, me and you have talked about before, they've got a Georgian youngster. Uh, I'm not sure I even quite fancy trying to say Give his it a go. name. Go on. Um, I'm just looking it up now. Kivacha Kravatskela. I do know of him, and the only reason I do is because Leeds were linked to him a couple of seasons ago. As with everyone, it seems to be that's good and that develops into a fantastic player. We let them go because we can't afford them. 21. Um, you know, Georgian. So again, they they don't. That's not, not uh, a hotbed of renowned uh, talent. Um, just looking his stats up now. Um, before he's only been at Napoli since the start of this year. Before he played for Dynamo Batami, yeah. eight goals in eleven games, uh, and he's currently got five in eight in Serie A uh, this season. Uh, I think he's a left-sided forward, and I don't yes. think he's an out-and-out striker. Yeah, I think is. he's you know More of a winger. Uh, winger strike inside forward type player, but um, seems to be enhancing his reputation week by week. A um, lot of goals as well, to be fair. Elsewhere, Bayern. Um, yeah, Hammer five Pletsen, five I mean, I'm glad I didn't put a bet on both teams to score because that would have been smug well, You'd be even glad you didn't ask the other person's advice on whether you should cash out at half time. I don't put the bets on, um, and there's a good reason for that. But um, yeah, so they obviously battered um, Pleasant. Um, Inter got away with one, I think, against Barca. That penalty shout is one of the most blatant and balls I think I've seen in a, a long time. But apparently, you can punch the ball um, in in the Champions League now. Marseille hit Sporting 4-1. They did. I think, again, Sporting are struggling well. a little bit. And then the one that, again, I 
so edgy with myself about it because I mentioned to you and I even thought about putting on the tips for the bets was my outside tip was Club Bruges. Absolutely flying at the moment. Atletico Madrid seem in a bit of a slump, which is strange for a Simeone team. 2-0 Club Rouge one. Uh, yep. I should have backed myself. You could get them just a shade under 5-1 to one before the game kicked off. So um, I should have been a bit more ballsy there. Yeah. Um, and then I did say it to you though, didn't I? To be fair, not that that makes any difference, but just about, uh, uh, did I not say it? And you were like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, I think they should award you the money just because you said it then. You also said that the fight was going to get if told that off was the fucking weekend, case, so. I wouldn't be doing this podcast because I'd be a billionaire <laughs> if I said every bet that I just won. But um, yeah, quite, quite interesting as well um, whether the, the games at the weekend have affected this. But obviously, Spurs only drew against Frankfurt, nil nil, boring game by the sounds of it. But Spurs apparently had a lot more of the chances. So yeah, maybe the North London derbies uh, fucked the season. Affect a bit of confidence, maybe there. I mean, again, I said to you again, Frank, Frank, Frank are a decent team. I mean, that as Spurs go to be Spurs as they are, uh, you know, take a point away from home against Frankfurt is is not a bad uh, point. I think Frankfurt are fifth or sixth in the Bundesliga, so mm-hmm. they're doing relatively well. Obviously, in the Champions League, they qualified uh, in the top four of the Bundesliga last year. That they're, they're no joke. So, I, I, you could look at it that way, or you could say it's not a bad point on the road for Spurs. Did they not win? Europa League. Sorry, you're right. I think they did. Yeah. Oh. I always like to correct you on these. It just makes me feel a bit special inside. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got some good games this, uh, tonight as well, to be fair. Um, I mean, two have just kicked off just as we're recording this. So, uh, Leipzig Celtic and Salzburg Zagreb have just kicked off. Um, Chelsea Milan is a, a highlight. That's C- a pick for me, I yeah. would say. I mean, we've got... Um... City Club Harry Graham Potter going in as uh, <laughs> uh, as his first uh, Champions League. I'm sure this is probably his first Champions League match in charge. Full stop, in it because he wouldn't have at Brighton. I don't think he did at Ustalands or Swansea. So uh, where he was uh, before. So this must be his first match in the in the Champions League. Not an easy tie. Did he? He can't have been in, in charge of him, can he, in the last Champions League match? Don't think he was. So I think this must be the, 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 his, his first official game in the, in the Champions League. Definitely not easy. I mean, we saw a, quite a funny um, picture that Gazetta del Sport, um, and again, I probably butchered the name of that paper, but they posted a picture of a photoshopped Harry Potter with, with Graham Potter's face on. It's a classic joke, and it's always funny. Um, I mean, for me, there's, as you say, there's a, there's a few decent games tonight. Um, Benfica PSG could be a game to to watch. I, 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 w- I mean, I'll probably be flicking between them tonight as I won't be concentrating on the uh, Liverpool match like I was. And then, of course, we'll, I mean, I think we'll, we'll, we'll circle back uh, in a way to Highland anyway, but City at home to Copenhagen. And um, I think I'd said to you, for him to score a hat-trick, I'd look to the odds, two to one. Which is ridiculous. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll speak more in depth about... Uh, Haaland and the, the derbies in the uh, the main podcast but it's just ridiculous the odds that you see everything to do with him the statistics the, the just general chat about him everything just screams freak of nature I'm bored of seeing it already because all, all I know is that when we play him whenever we end up playing him I can't remember what, what month it is I think it's close to Christmas so I'm sure that'll ruin my, my year but we're just going to get destroyed by him he's just far too good not seen a player like this in years. I don't remember the last time that I watched a striker that I thought he's going to score every single time. I think I saw something with Carragher and he was talking about the last player that he thought that would put the fear into him. And I think he said Thierry Henry. Um, but even Thierry Henry, you know, this record that he's got at the moment, that Haaland's keeping going, is just 
I mean, it's, it's otherworldish. It's, it's so so strange. I've got a couple of stats for you. I did have, I did notice about this. So if he carried on at his current strike rate, which let's be fair is stupid and it's not going to happen, he would end up with seventy-one goals in the Premier League. He's uh, a current record is Mo uh, Salah with thirty-two in a thirty-eight game season. If he played every minute of every other competition, so they kind of factored in maybe cups and lower league games, he could score. 102 goals this season. Uh, his, he's got the current top ratio in England, which is 1.89 goals every every 90 minutes. The only person who, shockingly, and he's playing, he'd be playing for Chelsea tonight that's even close to that, is Antti Rebic of AC Milan. has got 1.84 goals per 90 minutes. I haven't looked into this, but he's definitely not got as many goals near as Haaland. So I'm guessing he must be coming off the bench. But... Ledwandowski's third in Europe of 1.5 goals per 90 minutes. Uh, weirdly, you then got Anthony for Man U, 1.2. He has played very minimal this season, though, hasn't he? And so he scored two why. kind of that didn't really matter, didn't he, in, in the derby. And finally, who I do know has been playing, has been banging him in for a, a very underrated and sort of lower team, is a guy called Beto for Udinese in Serie A. And he's got 1.21 goals per 90 minutes. But huh, that nearly two goals every game is just crazy ridiculous I mean like I said see I were looking at potentially putting a bet on for him to win Ballon d'Or next year um, which he can't bet on by what I can see but the only thing that I did see was the PFA player of the year and he's already won two odds on to win that which is it's just completely out of this world for those type of stats and like you say for him to score a hat trick at those low odds I just I've never seen a player like this before. Just to play devil's advocate to, to you here, just because we do find this is going to be, we should be named this the fucking Haaland Charvois because we seem to sort of wax lyrically about him every week, is we were out with our missuses for the Charity Shield. I forget, Community Shield, sorry, it's now called Old School Charity Shield. Because you're He old. is fallible. That game, if you put him in the form he's in now in that game, Liverpool have got bad. You know, he had two or three good chances. He hit the bar, didn't he? And he plays one over. We're all human. He he's in a freakish run of form, and the chances are given the service he gets. You've got De Bruyne feeding him these amazing balls. I mean, that ball again, we'll, we'll discuss it in the main podcast. But that that curling ball for the one that he slid in the back post against Man U was freakishly good for a, for a cross. He is going to carry it on, but I think there has to be an element of what. He's not going to carry on at this rate. He's not going to score 71 goals in the league. That's just crazy. But between 40 and 50, I'll call it. That would be terrible if he scored 40 or 50 goals. I mean, what a shit play. I'm, to be honest, I'm going to be argumentative because I'm pissed off about my weekend plans being ruined uh, with Conor Ben. But I think you're more likely to see and to treat the community shield, which means nothing, by the way, what a waste Agreed. of a, a, a I'm not claiming it as a trophy. Yeah, well, it's the only thing you'll win this season, so you might as well. Um, but I think it's more likely that his off games are seen as one-offs rather than a run of form being seen as a one-off because his career has essentially been a run of form up until this point. He's He does have every so often, whether it's every 20 games or whatever, a game where he doesn't look good, but he always looks dangerous. Um, and again, I've not seen in my lifetime or that I can remember a player be as dangerous as that there's been a lot of very good players 
lot of comparable players, but no one that I can look at and think, you know what, he's going to score this week every single time. Here's a question for you then. Is the fact that if he, let's say, let's, he carries on his current trajectory, so maybe not the, the ridiculous numbers that we're talking, but hammers it. Is that a good thing for the rest of the Premier League? And what I mean by that is if he has two or three amazing years where he does that, he wins everything with City, does he want to go somewhere else? And he goes, I mean, Real's the obvious one, isn't it? He's going to end up at Real Barca, surely. And No, do, I don't, do, I don't do think, think so. Just I, I think, stays at City? I think we're talking, obviously, hypothetically, um, as we tend to do on this, but... It, it just completely depends where they are at that, that point in time. What is it, a six-year contract that he's got? Six years. Six-year contract. I don't think he'll leave within four. So you're talking at least four years at City. It depends how dominant they become. If they win the Champions League this season and continue that dominance, then it, it just ultimately depends on that. I think it'd be interesting to see what happens when Pep goes. And if they do win the Champions League, the flip side of that is... What does Guardiola have to win anymore at the at City? And does he want a change of pace? Does he want to go for a, a national job? Does he want to go to a different league? Go back to Barca? Because he could do whatever he wanted to feasibly. He's one of these managers who will dictate when and where he wants to do things. A little bit like Haaland at the moment will be able to dictate what his next move is and will be able to tell a club, right, I'm going to you, uh, as long as you've obviously got the financial means to do it. Um but yeah, I, I just don't see him doing that sort of move. I could see him thriving. If he goes to Barca, if he goes to Real Madrid, he's not going to fall off. He's a bit like Lewandowski in that. Uh, obviously, you've seen the transition from Lewandowski going from Bayern Munich, uh, Bundesliga, to um, La Liga this season with Barca, and he's clearly doing well. But yeah, it's a hypothetical situation. Anything could happen in the time between then and, and now. And I don't think he's in any rush to do anything like that. Yeah, I'm just a cynic when it comes to I don't think loyalty exists like it used to these days. That If someone comes in and he wins everything, you know, Champions League, Premier League, individual accolades like the PFA or Ballon d'Or in two or three years, I can't help but feel like he comes, doesn't come across as that kind of person to me that's like, I'm here for good. I'm pitching up. I'm going to be a city legend like Aguero and play for 10 years. I can't help but feel he comes, dominates, marches off, try somewhere else. You think City will let him go? Even in four or five years, let's say they've won Champions League twice in that point and they've won League three or four times, you genuinely think that the City won't say, right, here's okay, £600,000, £700,000? Don't disagree, uh, and money always talks, but great example, who he's the could potentially be the heir to, Lewandowski. He... Absolutely turned it up. Bayern didn't want to let him go. They were like, no, we're absolutely not letting you go. And he was like, fuck you, I'm going. And there was that standoff for a period, wasn't there? It was a bit awkward. They knew that... Now, it's slightly different because he had a year left on his contract. So they could have lost him for free and they ended up getting 50 mil for him. But, so you're right, I wouldn't expect this in one, two years, three or four, and that, if he's got a six-year deal, the value is starting to go down and someone comes in and offers that money... I could see a very similar sort of situation there. Uh, the, the difference there is his age. So you were uh, Bayern for, what, eight years? Something silly like that? Eight or nine, I think, um, yeah. And 34 this year, or 33. No, 34. 34, 34 now. Yeah, 34. Um, 
He's got nothing left to win at Bayern. He's won literally every single accolade, I believe, in terms of cup competitions. Obviously, they've won Champions League, um, won League, etc., etc. So there isn't anything else that's left for him to do there. At 34, I can understand wanting to turn around and say, you know what, I want another cup competition or I want another league and medal to add to my tally. I'm already a very good player. I've done everything <laughs> I possibly can. Um, the significant difference there, as I say, is his age. I think if Haaland was significantly older, this might be a completely different conversation. But in what, eight years' time, what's he going to be, 28, 29? Is he, tw- is he 22, 22 now? So 30 then. I still think that's not old enough for him to be saying, right, I want to go somewhere else. Um, considering I, I genuinely think City will try to build a fortress around him. I think that in the similar way that they've done with uh, KDB, they've essentially turned around and said, look, we wouldn't even consider selling him. Here's a lot of money. And no one seems to have tried to buy him. And I think that's a, a clear reason for that. I think the same would happen with Haaland. The crazy thing about Haaland is, is don't they, again, I don't think this has been disclosed in a lot of ways, don't they reckon he's on 400 grand a week? So when someone usually comes in and does this well, if you wanted to try and time him for longer or give him a bigger deal... You've got to offer more than that. Like, what? What's his? What's what? It could easily be. I mean, saying that is Messi, the first million pound a week player at PSG. But have we had? I think we have had. I think isn't he on a million euros? I'm a not week. sure. Yeah, be but, close to whatever Mbappe is on. I would assume. Um, it, as you say, he's going to cost a shitload of money to renew that contract, even if you got six years. But the way he started, you. If you could do that and you could get an extra year or uh, something out of it and you could easily see him going to them in six months and saying, hey, give me a fucking... I want 600 grand a week now. Pay me like the best in the world. They could just say no, though, feasibly. With the length of contract, and I get football doesn't work like normal world. Um, but there's no way that he's going to try and run down a five or four-year contract in a few years' time because he's not got a weird right. They could turn around to him and say, I'll tell you what, come back to us in three years time and we'll talk about an extension when you've got three years left of your deal and then we'll bump it up to maybe a six year deal on top of that so you've got a three year extension and then he gets his 600 700,000 pounds a week but I think because of his age I think a little bit like the conversation we've had about Bellingham with him having his head screwed on properly uh, his dad Halfie is clearly of the mindset that he's happy with him at City he's got City ties I just I, I don't see it. I don't see him being one of these players who's like, right, you know what? I've done my best for you. I've been here two or three years now. I've won everything I can win. I want to go somewhere else. As you say, it's hypothetical. Time will tell. But I'd be very... Oh, maybe I'm thinking wishfully here that I need that to happen so that he fucks off to give the rest of the Premier League a chance. Because if they... Ca- give it... Give it yeah. All right, Arsenal are top. Arsenal are in a good season. If anyone is under any illusion that City aren't going to win the title by a canter this year, they must be watching a completely different sport than I have for all the years I have. Cause that, give it to them now. Anyone would take second place, if you ask me. There's no way we can, anyone can compete with them at the moment. I think if you ask the majority of Arsenal fans, they disagree, but that's because the majority of Arsenal fans... they're fucking deluded. A, yeah, <laughs> have a weird complex about it. Um, Are you telling me that? Oh, that... I, I, I know you've got some Arsenal fan mates. Maybe one day we'll get one on. Are you, are you genuinely saying now, if you said to an Arsenal fan, you can take second behind City, they wouldn't snap your fucking hand off? Yeah. I, I think they would wow. turn around and say, no. Because, look at them. Look at how they've celebrated the, the starts of the season. They think that they're untouchable. And Leagues again, aren't one in eight games. Arsenal fans listening to this now are just immediately turning off and then shouting and uh, trying to get us onto Arsenal fan TV. Um 
But yeah, I think they'll get a rude awakening eventually. And again, we'll go into this a little bit further when we speak about it in the, the weekly podcast on Friday. But I just, I don't buy them as a top team. I think that eventually there's going to be a bit of a, a reality knock for them. And obviously they play Leeds in a few weeks' time. So I'm sure that'll be the, the reality lock when we play them off the park. Liverpool on Sunday. And look well, yeah, I meant a good team though. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure we're quite in the form to knock them back out of that yet. But um, it's been interesting game I, actually. If I was an Arsenal fan, so I know if you're Arsenal fan, they are usually pretty deluded to be fair, and they get a bit carried away. I do think the last, in the same way as Man U fans, the last few years have been tough and slightly chastising for them. And a few years after Fergie went, oh, we're the best team, Man U fans. Again, after Wenger, Arsenal fans seem to have got a bit more used to the reality of where they are now. And I think if if you were looking at pragmatically, and I was an Arsenal fan, I'd still say top four is an improvement to get back in the Champions League. I think they'll get that. I think I don't think they'll 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 push City anywhere close. I still think Liverpool will come out of maybe the funk they're in to get the top four. But I'd say Arsenal will be in the top four. No, no to Arsenal Just, or no, no to Liverpool. Uh, well, or no to both. both. But no, um, no to Arsenal. I'm still, you know, we're listening to our predictions for the season uh, the other day and I think I had Liverpool as second. So that prediction might have to pick up very, very swiftly if that's going to happen. Um, but I don't think Arsenal get top four. I know it's it's more controversial now because they've started strongly. Four teams better than Arsenal then in the league at the moment. Manchester City. Obviously. End of, no. At the moment, we're talking about form, but in terms of how the cream always rises to the top. I, I don't think that Arsenal will remain in that. I think they'll, they'll probably get European Liverpool football. Liverpool and Spurs, to me, are still better teams than them. After that, Chelsea. you've got... Chelsea are better than them. Yeah, I mean, you've got a shout there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, on paper, Man U are again, I think... No, too Man far. Man U and Arsenal are Gone in too that. far. Um, I mean, Spurs are the sleepers, really, this year. Conte's made them into a far better team and as unspursy as they've ever been. But... Um, Spurs pretty easy top four for me this year as in finishing fourth yeah quite could easily be second could easily be third I think Spurs if I was to look at it at the moment the way they're playing the players they've got they are still very heavily reliant on a few players in terms of Kane and Son they've they've, they've maybe diversified that a little bit with some of the new signings and they're not quite as heavily reliant um, but saying that we're talking about City here and, and Haaland what happens if he gets injured who steps up then I mean they've got Alvarez who I'm a big fan of and I said to you when they signed but you don't get if, injured he's the if, Terminator if, if he suddenly gets injured they're, they're not in a world of trouble but they have got no one who can step up even remotely to fill those shoes we've had these types of conversations before though in, in the sense that you could literally say that about every single team in the league if X gets injured Y happens Gabriel Jesus if he gets injured Arsenal are fucked uh, City, Agreed. If, if Haaland, if Kevin De Bruyne, if X, Y, Z get injured, then they're in trouble. Liverpool, no, and there's, there's no. See, one. I, like, I think we've well got we're more diversified. Like that, Mo's not quite as important as he used to be. I mean, the real because he's gone off boil massively. Mane's the one we're missing. Mane yeah. now. If you, again, I think people sleep on how important Mane was. God last um, night, didn't it? Hey, it's a good. He did. Um, Jesus is a good shout and. Funnily enough, only this week I was talking on a work-related note to one of my Arsenal fans, uh, mates, and, and, and came around to it. And I said to him that Jesus is important to them as Haaland is for City. I.e. you took him out, they're fucked. 
everything they do seems to go through him. Some, he's got as many assists, I think, as nearly he's got goals. He brings the whole team forward. I mean, he actually looks to me in that form that you feel harsh on him that City didn't give him a chance. I think he looks superb at the moment. But you took him out of Arsenal's team, they're in a world of trouble as well. I get the argument that they should have probably given him a chance, but... <laughs> We're talking Haaland yeah, versus... Yeah, you'd say, take yeah, Haaland every it, day over Jesus. It, it, it was the right move, I think, for all parties. Arsenal really needed a striker. Jesus needed full game time and not to be used as a, a utility man off the bench. And obviously City just don't need a, another striker at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think they fall away and I, I'm just... I'm never an Arsenal believer. I just... not For years and years, and I think it's their fans that grate on me and the reason that it's it's got me so irate about Arsenal is sick of hearing this delusion and it still grates me to see them complaining about like for example when Arsene Wenger um, got sacked or, or parted ways or whatever they called it in the end but they were kicking off saying oh we're better than this this is the worst thing supporting this football club I can't believe how bad it's getting while we were sitting in League One I'm like oh right yeah I feel for you my heart bleeds um, but yeah I, I just don't think that it, they'll fall off eventually and I, I think we'll Stop talking about Arsenal uh, within a few weeks after they've been humbled, hopefully. But, yeah, a um, few other things to mention, because just off the, the top of the conversation we were having previously, uh, you wanted to mention Kevin Holland, I think? So, we'd mentioned it in one of the previous ones that, you know, this, this slightly cryptic, as he retired, as he trying to, he's apparently now come out and said, barring being offered silly money, uh, he has officially retired uh, he admitted he got made uh, a shitload of money for the uh, card change-up and to fight Kamaev uh, and basically said, I'm done, I don't need to get punched in the face anymore. He is going to concentrate his plans, I understand, on a new gym that he's opening and uh, turn his attention to a podcast as well. So uh, good luck to Kevin on that and um, we'll see. I'm sure someone might chuck him some money again if they need a late replacement, but he has officially uh, retired. I'll be honest, I kind of set you up here um, because... UFC Fight Night, December the 3rd. Kevin Holland versus Stephen Thompson has just been announced. You're fucking joking. So... <laughs> <You're> fuck... <laughs> His uh, retirement lasted about as long as the sentence when that When did just that said. break? Today? It literally, um, I think three hours ago. So, yeah, very, very recent. Um, so may- maybe the, he's, it was yesterday that I read that he'd come out and said that. And as I say, he did add that caveat. I'm done unless they offer me a shitload of money. I've got to be honest, headlining UFC fight night, Wonderboy is, is no joke and is a fantastic striker, but I can't imagine them paying him that kind of money. So you have absolutely, mate, you and, do you know what? I, I take back my good luck to you and your podcast, Kevin. <laughs> Fuck you and your bullshit that you've just said and maybe look a mug. So I hope your podcast tanks and Wonderboy kicks your fucking head off. Well, it's, a, it's a good striking matchup, that to be fair. Um, I mean, we were sleeping Wonderboy, one of the, was... Uh, I think he was an undefeated kickboxer, something like 70 and 0 before he transitioned to MMA. MMA. Uh, a fantastic fighter. His holes are his wrestling. If he gets taken down by people, he usually gets dominated. Holland is not that guy. So that that actually would be a pretty good fight. That would be, uh... be. I'm quite pissed off about the date of that as well, because obviously I'm off to Orlando in a month's time. So if they'd have brought it forward a month, I'd have been able to go watch that. It'd have been a right laugh. Probably got tickets as well if it was a fight night. Because yeah, no one's off to out. see it. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. Fuck you, Kevin Holland. <laughs> Anything else? Only other one for me, whether we want to do this now or sandbag it, was I'd had a little note here about 
yellow cards and red cards generally. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely go into this a bit more detail on Friday, but just because I'm going to end up ranting for a significant period of time, and I know this is already a 44-minute podcast as we stand, but oh, it's just a nightmare watching that on Sunday. It, the consistency in, in this league is non-existent with regards to referees, especially when it comes to time-wasting, when it comes to the the level or severity of a foul and what constitutes a yellow or red card. I'm just sick and tired of it. I, I cannot stand the referees in this league. You were at the game, obviously, weren't you, at Leeds? I was watching it from home, um, seeing if I saw your curly mop top on, on the TV and, and, and just being an observer. I was a good-looking guy just behind um, the, uh, the And some of the challenges... I mean, poor Aronson got smashed. I, I can't remember anyone getting tackled from from behind studs in the back of the calf as many times as that lad he must have taken four or five at least I think a couple were given as maybe one was given a yellow others weren't I don't think anyone you had, yellows I think they're I mean, all just fouls Sinistera was silly I think we kind of agree Se- there was no agree, real excuse yeah. the, for the that the second one is a yellow card the first one isn't it was hard I mean where for me on the Leeds game it was a hugely inconsistent from the ref he seemed to let Villa slide with a lot, particularly Conter and Mings, and then was was dishing out yellows like uh, confetti to uh, to Leeds players. But I think that the real one for me that was the massive inconsistent one that we, if we're talking about this has to be the red card for Emerson Royal in the in the, the program. It's never. I don't even know if it's a fucking yellow, let alone a red. And then you look back. This is the same ref that said it wasn't a red for Van Dyke, which I personally agree with, and was never a red. But that's a worse challenge than that red. It would, that, I mean, Emerson I, Royale. I disagree. Was the Emerson Royale wasn't, but Van Dyke. If you I agree, it's not high. Could, high. Oh. People's definition of high is ch- high Shit. to me is like knee. <laughs> high has got to be like a fucking karate kick, like Nigel De Jong, if you remember famously. For, well, so I'd that's be high. To watch you referee in a game than in Premier League. I would it let would just... shit slide. <laughs> like that's what football is a. Be a brawl at the end. Of I was going to say it's a man's game, but and you're not allowed to, not say, allowed that to say that anymore. It, 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 it's a game of physical strength. There have to be some challenges and let go. And, and, and I'm, I'm not saying studs up in high shin is acceptable, but it's not. It's not a red high to me. High is like above knee. Something what, like what Van the, Dykes was on the ankle. What? Well, I mean, that's a very Liverpool. Just above, maybe an inch above his ankle. So in fact, we'll get cat. a picture. We'll pick this up for. Friday, and we'll get a picture and a screenshot. I'm telling you, it's pro- I'm, I'm going off memory. I don't think it's more than an inch above his ankle. Your memory is very biased because it's a horrendous tackle. It was a straight red, and I'm absolutely shocked that it still wasn't given. Um, but not shocked because I've seen how referees. But isn't the, work the in craziest sleep. thing? It's the same ref that gave that red. So he said no to Virgil, but gave Emerson Roy a red. It was the yeah. same ref, I think, wasn't it? Like, yeah. That the level of inconsistency there from the not even across the board from the same person is ridiculous. I, yeah, I, again, I, I could literally rant about this all day because of how infuriated it, it was. Uh, it was making me on Sunday. It ruined me Sunday for one because I just finished my Sunday dinner. Go to watch this game. Think right, we'll take Villa apart. Fairly boring in first half, but second half come out. Everyone's raring to go. Immediate red card. I'm like, yeah, brilliant. Get me home. Um, and then it was just back to the wall for 45 minutes, which no one likes to watch your team not do anything. Basically just play the defence of attack and defence for 45 minutes. Especially with keeper not looking too safe, was he? Uh, yeah, again, we'll leave this for, for Friday because I will defend him to the hilt because uh, the Iceman, um, that's Melia, is 
a very good goalkeeper and just had a slightly off day in terms of his uh, his catching and, and distribution. But um, yeah, we'll call it there for now because otherwise I'm going to end up throwing this laptop through a window. Um, thanks very much for listening as always. And uh, as always, keep tapping up and uh, hit that subscribe button.